As a wildlife rehabilitator or educator, one of our worst fears is the thought of a natural disaster or emergency striking our facility. What would we do with the animals? What supplies would we need to take to assure their continued care? Disasters can strike at a moment's notice. The U.S. regularly experiences a variety of natural disasters due to its vast size and geographic diversity. While a disaster can occur due to any extreme natural event, such as a hurricane, fire, flood, or earthquake, it's technically characterized by causing a significant amount of damage or loss of life. Today, we are going to discuss how best to be prepared and discuss tips for dealing with an emergency. And I'll share my own personal story of experiencing one of the worst floods in Colorado history. Thank you for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio, a podcast series for busy wildlife professionals like wildlife rehabilitators, educators, and veterinary staff. I am your host, Emily Davenport, and I am the founder and executive director for the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance. Our mission is to elevate the care and protection of Rocky Mountain wildlife by fostering a sense of community and collaboration among wildlife professionals. Continuing education and training is an important component of our mission. Most wildlife professionals don't have time to sift through literature reviews or veterinary journals or sit through hours of training videos and classes. We have designed our content for the busy wildlife professional so you can learn while you're driving to the center, working on reports at your desk, running on the treadmill, making dinner, or walking your dog. We believe helping wildlife professionals experience learning in their preferred format and at their own pace result in better educational outcomes. It is also a part of our mission to help make continuing education more affordable and accessible so that more individuals like you can participate and become even more effective caregivers. Today, I have no special guest. You're stuck with just me. I thought I would start this podcast sharing some of my own personal experiences that I have dealt with in my career. I'm a Florida girl and grew up learning and understanding disaster preparedness and the importance of having an evacuation plan. Luckily for me, I had never experienced a hurricane growing up, but I did uh, live through several tropical storms as a child. So I understand the importance of being prepared and being ready. With that being said, uh, last month on September 12th marked the five-year anniversary of one of our worst floods here in Colorado. It was a historic flood and was considered a 500-year flood, and it devastated northern Colorado. There were mountain towns that had their road access completely destroyed with no access in or out. People were trapped in their homes and trapped in flooded canyons with little food, no electricity, and no running water. At the time, it was the most air rescues by helicopter since Hurricane Katrina. Let that sink in for a minute. There were mountain towns that were literally wiped off the map due to flash flooding. Many of our communities five years later are still not recovered. They're still rebuilding. At the time, I worked for a busy Raptor Center here in Broomfield, Colorado, and looking back, we were not at all prepared for an emergency like that. It rained hard and steady for four days straight. Our center was surrounded by a small winding creek, usually insignificant, very little water flow, 
and it turned into this huge, massive, roaring river. It flowed along the south of our property and made a horseshoe around our pre-release enclosures. The first night we experienced a flash flood and it brought moving water through our facility about a foot high um, in most of our enclosures. The flood water removed substrate from all of our cages and moved water tubs and logs and kind of made a mess of things. But the next night it got even worse. The next night we got word that another flash flood was coming the water level raised to three feet in our flight compound, just completely moving through quickly and dangerously. We had to make sure that we didn't have staff there on site as this water was coming towards us. In addition to the three feet of water that was moving through our pre-release enclosures, our hospital started taking on water as well. That same winding creek was also to the south of our hospital and so we slowly watched the water level of the creek move closer and closer and closer um, to our hospital. And eventually water started coming up through the drains of um, our hospital. It was very scary. In addition to that, the road, as you can imagine, to the hospital started to flood out. We were worried our access to and from the hospital would be cut off and that we may not be able to get out or get back into the animals. Luckily for us, that didn't happen. It was a terrifying few days. We did have three casualties. We lost two magpies and a merlin, but luckily it wasn't any worse than that. The creek bank that was originally 20 feet away ate the banks of the creek and moved about a foot from our enclosures themselves. In some parts, you could actually see down into the river from inside the enclosures, which was pretty scary. Amazingly, we were the lucky ones. I could spend the next hour sharing more stories, but reflecting on this, I often think about what we could have done better and what we could have done differently to prepare. And so that's what I'd like to focus our time on today. The most important thing about any kind of emergency preparedness is to be prepared and make a plan. You have to know the types of natural disasters you may experience in your area because the disasters or emergencies that may affect you in your area may be completely different than what affects somebody else. So familiarize yourself with the different types of disasters and know whether you should evacuate or not. Natural disasters like fire, hurricanes, and floods will require an evacuation, while others like blizzards may require you to stay put. Either way, it's important to assemble an evacuation kit with a week's worth of supplies. I like to include food, water, and medication. Make sure you have copies of the animal's records um, and patient care sheets. Copies of important permits and documents uh, would be critical to have with you. And supplies for cage cleaning, disinfecting, and sterilization would be important as well. And any other necessary supplies you can think of for the specific animals that you care for. Now, I know we're specifically talking about animals and wild animals today, but a lot of this overlaps into the human side as well. So you can find a lot of good information about being prepared and evacuation plans on the human side also. Once you have the evacuation kit assembled, keep the kit in an easily accessible location by an exterior door and be sure all staff and volunteers know where it is. Consider storing digital copies of some of those important files on a laptop or tablet or even on a flash drive or in the cloud. This could save you so much time during an emergency 
um, and save you a lot of effort and a lot of worry, as well as vehicle space in the emergency itself. So if you don't have digital copies of some of those important documents, it might be time now to think about getting those onto a flash drive. Also consider compiling a list of important phone numbers and keep updated copies in your facility and in your evacuation or disaster kit. Consider including contact information for your local game warden, your state and federal resources, as well as your veterinarian. Also include key staff members and volunteers, and you may even consider other area shelters and the American Red Cross phone numbers as well. Once you have a disaster preparedness kit or an evacuation kit, now you have to determine a safe location to evacuate to. Determine the primary evacuation location because you may need more than one depending on how many animals are in your care. Picking a safe place where everyone knows they can take the animals will save stress and time during an emergency. Talk to your local vets, animal shelters, volunteers, friends, and other associates as they may have a location for you. And then decide on one or two places that would be best suited to house the animals in an emergency. I have a friend who's a wildlife rehabilitator in Texas, and they were hit hard by a hurricane last year. And um, a lot of the sea turtles that they rehabilitate were able to um, weather the hurricane there on site. And so they didn't have to evacuate them, but they did have to evacuate all of the bird species that they care for. And luckily, um, my friend who's the rehabilitator had a, a home that was large enough to take most of these animals too. And so him and about 100 avian uh, friends were able to weather the hurricane there, and luckily they all survived. So it's things like that that you have to think about is, you know, if you care for hundreds of animals at a time, where are they all going to go in the event of an emergency? And sometimes it's multiple places. So with that being said, communicate to all staff and volunteers the evacuation locations, the emergency phone numbers, and the evacuation plan, and keep everyone updated on any information or changes. Display hard copies of the exact whereabouts of your designated location or shelter and associated contact information with that. Keeping it handy in your facility might save time and stress in the event of an evacuation. And make sure all staff have this information on their cell phones and other mobile devices as well. Having this information in multiple places will also save stress. And going over this information once a year and keeping it updated would also be a pretty good idea. So once you have your evacuation kit assembled and you have your evacuation location picked out, now it's time to take a day to practice without the animals, obviously the steps listed in your evacuation plan. Running through this drill periodically will help staff react better in an actual emergency and help you gauge how much time it's gonna to take to carry out this plan. And we actually have a sample evacuation plan in our member center if you are interested in taking a look at that. In addition to practicing your evacuation plan, also consider having an annual tour or training for rescue personnel so they also know how to respond in the event of an emergency. Have a map of all the enclosures accessible for first responders. So this might be the local fire department, but also it might be your local game wardens as well or animal control. So make sure that all those potential first responders are aware 
um, of your plan and where all the animals are on site. And keep in mind, this might actually change depending on the season. So keep things updated as much as possible. So while being prepared and making a plan is a huge component of being ready for a disaster, communication is also key. During the emergency itself, contact your local emergency management and stay informed through the media resources. You can also check what's going on by visiting the Red Cross website at www.redcross.org as well as www.cdc.gov and www.ready.gov. Those are the best resources for you during the emergency itself. And just staying in touch with local first responders and emergency management as well. In addition to communication, one of the things that we don't think about um, often is what happens in the event of an emergency when damage is caused. Um, I have known facilities that have had flight cages um, flattened during huge blizzards or hurricanes. Um, I have had facilities that have had their hospitals catch on fire and burn to the ground, um, sometimes due to wildfires, but also due to accidents from within the building. So what are, what are your plans for those type of emergencies? You may want to consider starting a designated disaster preparedness fund for your facility. That way you're not caught off guard or not caught in a bind um, if you have significant costs associated with a disaster. And during the evacuation, you have to put people first. You can't save lives if you yourself need rescuing. That is probably the most important thing I can share with you on this visit today. We are all animal lovers and we are all in this field because we are passionate about what we do and we want to save animal lives. But you have to put yourself first in these situations. It may seem counterintuitive, but if you truly want to save lives during a disaster and during an evacuation, you have to put yourself first. If you are in need of rescuing or put yourself in a compromised situation, um, rescuers are going to have to then focus their efforts and energy on you and not the animals that also need help. So please keep that in mind. People first. You can't save lives if you yourself need rescuing. Always assess the entire scene first to determine if it is safe for you to proceed. For example, watch for downed electrical lines or swiftly moving water, smoke and fire, obviously. While you will naturally want to save an animal and as many animal lives as possible, you must take care of yourself first. During an evacuation, once you determine that the scene is safe, you can get all the animals out in an order that makes sense to you whether it's by room or by species or by ease of access, that's something you are going to have to determine yourself. What is best for your facility, your situation? And if time allows, write evacuated somewhere visible so that rescue workers and first responders don't waste time looking for people or animals. So we've talked about being prepared, making sure we're communicating and what to do during an evacuation. But what do we do when, it, when it's time to recover? Once it's safe and all your personnel and animals are in a safe location, account for everybody, animals and people. Conduct a brief visual exam on every animal if possible and respond to any concerns. Keep in mind that an evacuation is highly stressful for people and animals, so you may not want to do a full physical exam. Just a quick visual one is all that is needed. 
Make sure everyone is cared for and keep your veterinarian on call as needed. And stay updated on the status of the emergency so you know when and how the situation is changing and what you can do during the next steps. This will help you make decisions and know when you can return to your facility. There are a lot of good resources online these days uh, for disaster and emergency preparedness. We have the disaster preparedness handout in our resource center on our website, as well as our sample emergency action plan. Our members also have access to the sample emergency action plan that we created. It's a very comprehensive document that you can keep in your facility that goes over all the steps of different emergencies um, and what to do in the event of them. This document goes over emergency evacuation plans, what critical operations will be needed during an evacuation, what methods will be needed to account for personnel, whose duties will it be for rescue and medical duties, and the means of reporting an emergency. This document goes over fire evacuation plan, as well as severe weather, as well as what to do if hostile threats come into your facility. So it's, it's a very comprehensive fill-in-the-blank document that you can use easily and effectively at your own center. So take a look at that if you haven't already. In addition, visit the American Red Cross and their website. They have a ton of resources online. You can also do a search for emergency preparedness or disaster preparedness online as well and come up with a bunch of additional ideas for you and your facility. So we're just about out of time today. If you would like to share this podcast, it's free and available for everyone. You can find this podcast and others on our website, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. Tell us what you think of our show by using the hashtag MyWildLifestyle and MyWildLifestyleRadio. If you would like more information on this topic or any of the accompanying handouts I discussed for this podcast, they can be found on our website in our resource center or our member center. If you would like to become a member and receive exclusive continuing education content, visit our website at www.rmwalliance.org. You can then click on the Join Support tab and find more information there. You can also stay informed and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find us there. Thank you again for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio. I look forward to bringing you more educational topics soon.